Merlo. Ooh, and you said you didn't like Merlo. I know, it grew on me. You're welcome. Because <laughs> you bought a cheap bottle. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Alright, let's do this. Alright. And a one, a two, a one, two, three. Welcome everybody to the Tell Me Something <laughs> now, <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Tell Me Something Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva, alongside my beautiful co-host, Holly Nicole Villanueva. Hi. What's up, babes? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to change it up because I say that every time. Do you? Switch it up. Chicka, chicka. I always it, say if, hi. Well, you know. If it works, the host why change with it? With the most. The host <laughs> with the most. <laughs> That's cheesy as shit. But you laughed. Because it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy, it's funny. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So what's today? Today is January 25th, 2021. 2021. That sounds so futuristic. You know, like, I always have a grace period that I give myself to write the year wrong. I haven't fucked that up once. (laughs) I'm <laughs> like so done with 2020. Not once have I written 2020 down. I always just write 21. Like Fuck you, 2020. I'm done with 2020. Yeah, I don't think I've messed it up. Yeah, usually that's an issue. Yeah. I think that happens to most people. But this year, every time I've signed something and had to date it, January 21. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've messed it up either. I mean, I haven't had to sign too many things, but yeah. I don't think I've jacked it up yet. Just like dating forms at work and stuff. and Dating forms? <laughs> putting a date on forms. <laughs> <laughs> You're running Tinder at work? <laughs> no. No. Some Bumble? I don't what's, even know what that means. What's the other one? Plumber? Plumber? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're too uh, old for that. Yeah. We've been married 10 years this year. 10 years. 10 fucking years it's a long time it is a long time that is a long time um but today is january 25th and that's my air force anniversary happy air force birthday oh yeah i guess it would be yeah 16 years 16 16 that's a long time it is a long time you're trying to diminish our anniversary no (laughs) no (laughs) This is all about me. It's not about you. Would you say it's an Air Force birthday or an Air Force anniversary? Anniversary. Why, though? You are born again into the Air Force. <laughs> I was born again. Into <laughs> <laughs> I've been indoctrinated into the Air Force. That's a fact. Yeah. No, I would say, I'd call it an anniversary. So January 25th, 2005, I left. Or no, I arrived at basic training. Flew out of El Paso. Into San Antonio, got bussed uh, over to Lackland, and the ride started. Yeah, um, times were times were way different back then. Life was different back then. Life was way different. Uh, I, all I took with me was just a backpack, so I had my important paperwork in my backpack, a uh, change of clothes, and that's it. Nothing else. And whatever I was wearing. Did you guys not have, um, I don't know, like two or three days in basic training before you got your uniforms issued? Well, everybody's different. It just depends on what day you land on. 
So we got it the very next day. So when I got there, I got there on a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday. But we didn't get our uniforms until Friday. Yeah. So we just stayed in civilian clothes. like, And a lot of people did what you did. They only brought like one outfit and they were like, oh, shit, I'm out of clean clothes. Like, what yeah, do I do? It, it worked out for me because we got our uniforms the next day. We were yeah. one of the first flights to get them. I, I mean, I don't know how they how they uh, organize the flights, but, yeah, it's a few each day that will go uh, to clothing sales. Because, I mean, I know it's different now, but when I went through in 2007, which was, what, two years after you, I guess, mm-hmm. um, like, they gave us everything, socks, underwear, bras, like, clothes, we could have everything we brought we weren't allowed to keep so now i know like for girls they can take their own underwear and sports bras and stuff but for yeah. us here we were getting like size extra extra large granny <laughs> panties and oh i mean that's how it was for us too like it's uh you get issued everything and once you get issued everything all the civilian clothes that you came with whatever you had it gets washed and then put up yeah into into a closet and you don't get it back until you graduate but yeah, it's whitey tidies. There's no boxer <laughs> shorts, nothing. Man, it was the worst. That's, that's the first thing I got rid of when when I left basic. Was your whitey tidies? Yes. Did you have to leave basic and whitey tidies? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I don't know if we had to, but I know I did. So as soon as you got to yeah. your first base, the first thing you did was put on real underwear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because the only thing that I bought at basic that I took with me uh, was a cell phone. Because our TI was like, hey, when you go on, on, on Town Pass, you can get a cell phone and you can bring it back, but do not. And this was like when it was – cell phones weren't as big as they are now. Yeah. Like, um, it it wasn't Nokia's. weird. It wasn't weird to not have a cell phone. Um, so, yeah, the TI was like, yeah, you can bring the cell phone back here, but it will not get turned on. You will not use it. You will store it in your wall locker, and, and that's it. Yeah. Because okay. that was post-graduation, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because we left the very next day yeah. to tech school. That's but, nuts. yeah, so that was 16 years ago. Uh, it's uh, it's nuts how fast that it's flown by. Yeah, I, uh, I'll sometimes be doing something on my phone, and I'll get, like, irritated that, you know, it doesn't go to space and back in, like, a millisecond. And then... I think about my old phone, how, like, there wasn't an internet browser on it. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally just a phone. Like, you could obviously send texts and phone calls and download ringtones. Yeah. But that's about it. And camera phones were barely becoming a thing. I had, like, this little, I don't even know, it was, like, maybe the size of a pack of Dunkaroos. I don't know what Dunkaroos are. Like the little sticks that you dip in like cheese or icing or whatever. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Um, the kids get the Oreo ones. They're like Oreo sticks yeah, with the yeah, white yeah. thing. It was like that size and it just slid up and then it had keys. But the front was just like, it looked like an iPod, I guess. That's probably a better example. It looked like an iPod. Yeah. But it was thick and the top slid up like maybe three inches and the little number pad was there. I had those. I had one one of those. Yeah. My favorite it was one lime was, green. My favorite one was the the flip flip the flip one. Uh, so it was just like the screen with the keypad for numbers, but then if you flipped it open, it was a keypad, like a key. Like it a was keyboard. a keyboard. Man, you typed so fast on that phone. That thing, and I could type without looking, 
like just the uh, what do you call it the kinetic feel or yeah the feedback or whatever like uh, you can just tap i hated having to use your phone to do things loved it like it was that one was difficult it's a good phone took shitty pictures but yeah whatever man and i remember you having thing. that phone when we went to lake tahoe yeah yeah, because I didn't get a smartphone until 2011. The beginning of 2011 is when I finally switched to a smartphone with the touch screen. Yeah, and we went we went some Samsung for a while before we switched over to be Apple people. Yep, you're welcome. I people. I was pretty pretty hesitant on switching, not because like I had some bone to pick with Apple or like I was mad at. Fucking hippies. Like I, whatever, but um, <laughs> it's just learning a new operating system. I just didn't want change. I didn't, and everything is different. Yeah. Um, but now that I know it, um, it just works. <laughs> Funny story about that is um, I was telling people at work that I got an iMac for Christmas. You're welcome. Thank you. And I was just like, it's so awesome because I can be like sitting on the couch working on like something on my laptop and then I can just go to the desktop and it's just there. Like it's on, I can access the file on a different computer. I don't have to send it anywhere. It's just there. Or if I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, Oh, I need that printed. I can just open up my phone and print the file that's saved on the desktop or the laptop and how everything just talks to each other and it's easy. And so one of my coworkers was like, I'm going to get a Mac or I'm going to get an iMac can you use the desktop anywhere on it? And I was like, yeah, like I use it on my laptop. It's on my desktop. You, it's it's easier, but it's harder to install on a Mac. But once you get everything there, it's fine. And he messaged, he was like, can I get a crash course in Apple for dummies? Because I am old man, mad typing, about to knock this computer off the desk. <laughs> and I was like, literally, it just has to make sense. And um one of the things that he was complaining about was the menu bar at the top. And I remember oh, that yeah. got you so frustrated. That, yeah, and I that was took like, me forever to figure out. I was like, it's every window you click in, that menu bar will change. Yeah. And he was like, I've been trying to figure this out for hours. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's like a, a static bar at the top. But whichever window you click in, that's the one that it applies to. Yeah. So instead of like on Windows, with each window that you open, it has its own menu at the top. That's just not, the the hard bar across the top changes to yeah. to function as whatever window you're in. It, I got frustrated trying to figure that out, and it was it, it makes sense afterwards. It's so much easier, so much more intuitive. But yeah. when, when you're trying to figure it out, it's it's frustrating. Um, I'll get frustrated if I've been working from home, and then I'll go to work, and I'm on a Windows computer again. Yeah, just because. The functionality isn't there. It's so much slower. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I'm like, oh, I just want <laughs> um, But I guess the biggest complaint is people are like, it's not Windows compatible, but I have like the desktop anywhere, which is kind of our work computer on our home computer. It's like a VPN that you log through. And then um, I have like all the Microsoft Office applied from my school. So I still use Word. I still use Excel, all that. It's just on my Mac. Yeah. And it, I mean, it works. There's no issues with it. So what ifs? Yeah, that's the cool thing about Mac now is that every, you, everything's starting to become compatible with the Mac where before it was only Apple stuff. Yeah. 
And that's it, because that's how Steve Jobs wanted it. Because you can make all those dollars. Yep. Like, charge $100 to buy a mouse. <laughs> or charge $60 to buy an adapter to plug in a USB. It's uh, It sucks at first, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's just the initial investment. But, yeah. I mean, what, we've had our MacBooks for like two longer years. than I've had any other laptop. <laughs> yeah, like two years now. Yeah. So it's old. <laughs> Normally, once uh, about a year passes on a laptop, you got to start thinking about a new one. Unless you have one of those, like, $3,000 gaming laptops, and then Oof. you don't want to do, like, regular schoolwork on a $3,000 gaming laptop. Imagine how fast you could get it done. The words fucking type themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the processor that's faster on those super I, expensive? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know this. I'm not smart on any of that stuff. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what makes it super fast or what makes it smooth. and All the nerds at work were talking about it. And I was like, I don't know. My husband just has an Xbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just keep it simple and stick to the gaming consoles. Yeah. That and because I like uh, the joysticks. The yeah, but... I mean, they say you you can use sticks on the computer as well, but eh. it's the hand-eye coordination. I can't get on board. Yeah, you know who's got that good, Elena. Yeah, she, Elena's spot on with hand-eye coordination. She's got all my skills. She does. Yeah, she's your little you. <laughs> she is. She's my mini me. And then I got Dallas. She's a clown show. She's the baby. <laughs> no, I think like Braylon is my mini me and Dallas is a pretty solid mix of the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um So going back to the Air Force anniversary. Yes. Sixteen years in. I uh when I joined, I had told myself, like, this is it, like this is all I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do twenty years. No matter what. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's it from the beginning. I'm I'm going to do 20 years. Um, For whatever reason, I was... I Why'd had, you choose that? Why'd you choose 20 years? Like, instead of just, I'm going to do this term and see where it goes? Because I didn't think I was going to find anything better. Yeah. And, and, I've heard, and, like, I had heard of people, like, yeah, you can retire from the Air Force in 20 years. Um, but everybody tell you, just make sure you get a good job so that... When you get out, it applies to the civilian world and whatever. I, I mean, I just got lucky and got intel because uh, yeah. it sounded cool. And for whatever reason, I qualified. Um, because you're smart. Yeah, debatable. But, uh, yeah, when I signed up, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do 20. And that's it. Like, this is my career. However it goes, whatever I end up doing, I'm going to do 20 years in the military and and then call it. But, I mean, now that I'm further in, it's been an up-and-down ride. It's been bumpy, like, really great at times, really shitty at times. Times where it's just, blah. Um, and then I almost got out at one point. Like, I was thinking of just calling it quits. Uh, but now, what that was like. Three years ago? Yeah, that was like three or four years ago. Um, I was just going to go reserve and then have a civilian job, but thought better of it and stayed in. And now, well, I got four years left until I hit 20. So I'm eligible to retire. I can just 
punch my ticket and get out and go do something else or just be a bum at home uh hopefully <laughs> but like i was telling you i i don't think we're gonna hit 20 and just like call it well i don't know because you're pretty steadfast on it yeah. i i don't think i'm gonna hit 20 and just be like all right i'm out um what i'm doing has to be really really shitty for me to just punch my ticket yeah yeah, because you still have, you'll have three years more. Once I hit 20, you'll have three years left till you two. hit 20. Just two. Or two years. Mm-hmm. So I would at least, at least stick it out until then. So when we leave here, you'll have three years left. I'll have five. Um. So wherever we go next could be our potential last assignment. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just... I think there would have to be some crazy extenuating circumstances like I get promoted to chief or um and though for those of you who don't know that's the highest enlisted rank you can get um I get promoted to chief or I know shit can't find a civilian job anywhere or something banana happens and we're just not financially stable um because at 20 years like I'm done I just, the drive I had when I came in and the way the Air Force has just changed in the past 14 years, um, and even to say that, like, that I've been in the Air Force for 14 years is crazy, but, um, well, 14 years in August, but it's just, I don't know, I just have so many different factors that you didn't have when you joined. Like, I joined at 17, so I'll be eligible to retire at 37. Um, And when you're 37, you're still young, you're in your prime, you still have plenty of time to create a whole new career. Yeah. And thrive in it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I I mean, I'll be 40, so. Yeah. Not too far off. But, I don't know, I just think we're going to be, I think eventually we will promote. And by the time it comes time to retire, or we have the option to retire, um, we'll be eligible to promote or close to promoting, or we will have promoted, and we'll start whatever. We're, we're a little bit higher up. We can make more of a difference. Um, I just, like, I'd like, I can't see myself out of the military, out of the Air Force, because... Like thinking about it, I like the tempo. I like the I like the change that it gives us every few years. Um, and you just never know what you're gonna do. Yeah. I just I don't know. I mean, with leadership now, the leadership that's in command, um, I think they're making good changes, which is in somewhat turning the air force i don't want to say back to what it was but it's just making it better um because one of my biggest things that make me want to retire at 20 on the dot like on august 22nd whatever 2027 um is the way people are getting promoted So you have all these really young people in these high levels of position 
and they have no experience. They don't know how to lead. They're not compassionate. They have no empathy. Um, they're just straight up like, you're going to do what I told you to. And you try to explain to them, like, okay, I've seen this before. I've experienced this. Like, you're going yeah. about it wrong. I just want to give you my my take on it, my experience. And they're like, no, like, I'm better than you. Like, I wear this rank. And it's just, like, that's a barrier for me where – and I get it in the civilian world that happens all the time. Like, I fully get that. But in the civilian world, like, you work for your promotions. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just yeah, show it, up it, one day. It, it depends. Because yeah. you have a lot of nepotism going on, too. Yeah, it's but you just, don't just show up one day and take a test and be like, okay, you're going to promote tomorrow. Like, you have to do something to show somebody that, like, you're worth that position. Or else you're your employees will just leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have that issue where, you know, people are promoting really early on in their careers because they're really good at test taking, which is how we promote up until a senior NCO. Um, so they're really good test takers, which is fine. Like I'm all for, I think anybody can study and pass a test, you know, but the material is just so intense. It's like 1700 pages of material to, take a 100 question test yeah um and then you get these people who promote and they've been in the air force for like nine years and they're going to be a master sergeant and it's like okay i'm going to respect the rank you wear because the rank deserves respect but you as a whole person absolutely not <laughs> and that's so in all honesty that's always been a problem with people getting promoted that don't that shouldn't like have no business getting promoted but for whatever reason the paperwork looked good they tested well there's everything fell in line that they promoted quickly uh every time i see people that like promote really fast uh like my natural instinct is like well i'm not gonna listen to a thing you say and i don't really respect you um that's not to say that i don't respect some of them because there are very few that promote really fast that actually deserve it yeah. But they stand out and you can tell right away like oh you know what like you you deserve the rank. But those people you would never be able to tell that they promoted quick. You know what I mean? Like they have they have all the aspects of a leader who has earned the position. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to explain it, but the people who promote quicker really fast to let you know, you know. I've only been in for 6 years and I'm a tech sergeant. Um and we have that, you know, where I work now, where people are like, you've been in for 13 years. Like, I've only been in for seven years, and I have the same rank as you. And I'm like, yes, you have the same rank as me, but you are not the same as me. Like, yeah. let's make that very clear. Exper experience We're counts not the same. for something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, but you, you also, also have people who have been in for, like, 20 years who should be an airman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you can tell right away those people yeah. that get promoted quickly and they have no business wearing the rank. You can tell right away it it like it shines through. Like, okay, this person just did well on their test. Mm -hmm. They answered all like they uh, yeah they answered all the right questions, whatever. But when it comes time to actually lead or help people out or whatever, just terrible. Yeah, I just. I don't know. But I'm not really big into like all the self-development and stuff that you have grown into over the years. Um, but 
there are like key lessons I've learned through professional development in the military and stuff on the difference in being a leader and holding the title of a leader. Yeah. And it's just, if your people don't respect you or if you get put in a position and the people that you're trying to lead are automatically pissed off that you're put in that position, um, you're going to have a hard time being effective. So I don't know, like for me, I really struggle in my personal life to admit my wrongs. Like, uh, hey, you know, my bad, my B. Like, <laughs> but in my professional life, I'm really easy to be like, hey, like I fucked that up. Like, let's fix it together. Show me what I did wrong. Like, let's do better. Um, and there are so many people in leadership positions in the Air Force who who don't have that ability. And again, disclaimer, Holly's opinions, not the opinions of the Air Force or anything surrounding it. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, I mean, and then I, I don't know how you fix that. Like, that's always been an issue. Like, I when I read uh, any kind of, like, biographies or memoirs or, you know, uh, like mil- of military leaders or they mention the same thing like people getting promoted that have no business getting promoted but for whatever reason or they got promoted way too early and they're just fucking shit up it's happened throughout history yeah. um, how people get promoted has always been a problem you're not going to please everybody and there's no perfect system but I say the way you you battle that is by getting promoted yourself yeah I just, uh, I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but I think that's one thing the Army has right. Uh, no. I mean, they might do it better. Like than the we fact do. that you have to go and meet a board and explain yourself, you know? Like people are going to look at your records in front of you and you have to defend yourself. Like, yeah, but you can still have leaders that just like that person. Yes, you can. And that person I, kisses the right ass and they they say the right things. Yeah. They're going to get perfect board scores. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen, but that probably happens less than people taking a yeah. test will. But even those like even that kind of promotion is extremely subjective as well. Yeah. So there's an argument to say like what we do is better than that. Obviously, some people prefer that type of promotion where you have to sit on a board and answer a bunch of questions and, like, go through a bunch of uh, what-if scenarios as opposed to taking a test and letting your records speak for you. Yeah. Not a single one is perfect. In some aspect, one's better than the other. But it's it's always going to be an issue. It's always going to be a problem. Yeah. there's. I mean, like you said, there's really no way to – to combat it or to to come up with a perfect system, but I don't know. Opinions? Yeah, just promote yourself. Um, do, do what you can within your sphere of influence. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's difficult. I just and, think and, like, I, and I've w- seen that. Like, even me as a person – if I promote, like, let's say I make Master Sergeant the first time, which is in the senior NCO realm, I don't think I will, but, like, let's throw it out there that I make Master Sergeant the first time. Um, me making Master Sergeant isn't going to be big changes. It's just going to be me being more frustrated with more bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. But, but you get a little bit more control. So, say you get your own flight or, or whatever. Yeah. So, you you get a little bit more leverage to make 
to to make change. Yeah. That's that's the thing was promotion. You know, some of the that's things that got shot shot down in the past, you could actually implement. Um, you get put in positions where you you have some say. So. Yeah. So I told you, you should have commissioned. Yeah, I. Um, we've talked about this before, <laughs> but I just there has to be more in it for me than the money. And when I think about commissioning, that's the only pro for me is the change of money. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But when, well, if you commission and not everybody feels this way, but you get put in positions where you have to make decisions and you have to, you're automatically a leader for the most part. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of people that have commissioned that have no business commissioning commissioning that's a fact but it happens yeah um i've looked at it it a couple times i guess but the things that i would want to make a career change for aren't in my realm like to go into an administrative role or to go into a healthcare role um there's timelines in your career which i didn't know about until later in my career but like to go in um so there's a program that the Air Force does where you can go from enlisted to a physician's assistant. And you go to school in San Antonio and you become a PA and that's it. So you get to go practice. Um, but you have to apply for that program by the time that you have, it's either six or eight years time in service. Yeah. But by the time that I learned about those programs, I had already surpassed that time and you, it's not waiverable. Um, so really all I could do is go commission and be an Intel officer. And I pretty much dislike almost every Intel officer I've ever met. So (laughs) there's very few where I'm like, Oh, you're a normal person. Um, yeah. And I don't want to go back to the bottom. So I have that going for me. Yeah. I, uh, I see, I see where that comes from, but I mean, I don't think it's the bottom. It is though. It's not. Because technically you're higher ranked than... It's any- the bottom of the second pier. tier. Bottom of the second yeah, tier. Yeah, the second tier. I mean, I guess, but I don't see it that way. And you'll have pe- you'll have a lot of people that see it that way, but especially being prior service, it's not... Yeah. It is not the case. Maybe like if I had your experiences, you know, where I was at the officer school and I got a like firsthand knowledge, like maybe I would want that, but... No, there's there's still there's still that where yeah. it's like, hey, you're you're just a lieutenant, yeah. but that's just how do you say that's just the um like logistics of it. Uh, the tip of the iceberg. If that no, that's not the right one. It's just I I, I don't know how to explain it, but people people say that you're just a lieutenant, although you were a prior master sergeant for for. 15 years yeah. or whatever. It's like, okay, you know that, but the person saying it's just to make themselves feel better for that's mm-hmm. the way I always took it. I don't know. I've thought about commissioning. One thing that's the holdup is I've constant. Well, I mean, I have a lot of holdups. Um, one thing is I've constantly been in school and I don't want to study and take the AFOQT, um, which is the test you have to take to become an officer. And I think just taking that test, it's like a fear of failure. Like I won't do well on the test. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of it is like engineer focused 
or like um that's not true not engineer focused but like uh like your brain has to work differently for a lot of parts of that test no it doesn't that's you're just making assumptions no i've taken the practice tests the area that matters where you're gonna you're gonna focus on it's verbal and uh quantitative so math yeah i don't know that's it the other parts if you're gonna if you're gonna fly if you plan on being a pilot or something like that then so then everything else matters yeah but if you're if you're not going if you're not shooting to be a pilot or like a special tactics officer i think you don't have to worry about all that other piece Yeah. yeah it's nice if you score well on them but that's not gonna that's not gonna matter the only piece that matters is that that quantitative quantitative and verbal aspect of the test which mm-hmm. you're really good at so i'm just saying i think you're making excuses <laughs> <laughs> if i'm making excuses it's only like to justify to you why i don't want to do it yeah yeah i don't know maybe if i went and took the afoqt and i did really well on it like i would change my mind but yeah i don't, I don't know you want to get ahead of the people that are promoting that have no business promoting because then you lock yourself into another 10 years. You don't. That's only if. So this goes back and forth. But what I have gotten from it is if you commission, you must serve 10 years to retire with uh, officer pay. Yeah, I've heard different. Yeah, there's so there's the other ones where it's like, no, you can do your four or five years and then retire uh, with officer pay, the only thing that it that's different is it's you don't your ID get card. your ID card won't say O two O three whatever. So yeah, I heard that you um you retire at your highest enlisted rank, but you retire with the highest pay that you had. No, the pay reverts to the highest rank that you held. Oh, your no. your your high writing. three as your last enlisted rank. So if you commissioned today, you went to OTS and commissioned. And you retire in four years, your retirement would be based off what you're making today. Or your high three up to this point. I don't know what high three means. So uh, the average of your highest three base pay, I think. So, so if, if, my, you, if my highest base pay was a captain. No, but at, at your illicit rank. That's what I'm saying. Mm, so I don't know. I'd have to look it up and see it in writing myself. I have looked it up. But that there's always been that argument. But, yeah, if you don't serve 10, so it's basically saying the Air Force needs to get their money's worth yeah. from what they invested in you. Yeah. So that's the whole reason behind the 10. Well, I thought I guess, that was, I don't know. Yeah, like I don't want to, like, throw bad info out. So I'll have to do my own research on it. But um, I thought the solid 10 was just for Academy grads. And then the – you revert back to your enlisted rank, but you get paid as the officer was if you were like a, like a OTS or a ROTC. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So everybody should do their own research. This is what I've, this is the conclusion I come to. And a lot of people have told me the same OTS grads and the officers. Now it's the same thing. If you retire before that 10 year mark, your your retirement will reflect the highest enlisted rank that you held and the the average of the high three. So that's what retirement is, high, the high three. 
So if you were like, if you put on Master Sergeant uh, two years before you retire, so you'd have uh, tech base pay, Master Sergeant base pay, Master Sergeant base pay, the average of those three is what your retirement is going to be. Yeah. That's what high three is. I don't know. Um, if I'm wrong, people will tell us. <laughs> Again, this is not like set in stone. Do your own research, but yeah. this is what I've come to conclusion to. Come to a conclusion. So what are your with. like main goals for after you do decide to retire? My main goals for after I decide to retire? House husband, house dad. <laughs> I'm going to wake up, give the kids food, take them to school kiss you while you go to work and then uh i don't know just chill at home all day read work out right do you think you could do that for an extended period of time and not just like lose your mind uh or do you think like it would i think like it would wear on you soon i think i would pick up a lot more hobbies yeah so i would actually i think i would pick up a lot more hobbies and do things where I interact with people, so I wouldn't go insane. So, yeah. like, uh, I would start going to more jujitsu classes. Um, I would start going to more uh, events, whatever, maybe more 5K races or, or whatever, or maybe some, like, uh, some kind of group. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Whatever clubs there are out there. For grown-ups. <laughs> maybe I'll actually join a book club. <laughs> Uh, j- just something that like you where it forces you to interact with people because yeah. as I've mentioned before on the podcast many times I'm an introvert so I need my my alone time my quiet time um, like where I just need to be by myself um, but I also need that interaction with other people so I need to be go out there and you know it's kind of like blowing off steam I guess yeah I mean I think that would be nice for maybe like a few weeks, maybe even like a few months. But for like for me personally, I just like I need to be doing something that's um you need work that's making a difference or that's fulfilling. I think that's what I would be doing. Like you would be fulfilling yourself cuz you enjoy those things and I enjoy those things, but it's like I would feel guilty for just like bumming all the time. Even well, if you the, see it as bumming, but I don't see it that way. I know, that's and the, that's why I said for me, I don't, don't get angry. Because <laughs> you're saying bumming, I'm not bumming. Well, no, like for me, that's how I would feel. So, yes, like you enjoy doing those things, and I think I could enjoy them for a short period of time. But, like for me, after so long, it would be like I'm not doing anything productive. Like for me, it wouldn't be productive. It would just be like, doing nothing and i would just be finding things to just fill time because i was doing nothing but filling your time could be like so like volunteer work what if you go volunteer more you start doing habitat for humanity for humanity because that's like my favorite volunteer thing yeah you are making a difference when you're doing that it's not not doing nothing you're not getting paid for it nobody's giving you a high five or whatever you're just doing it because you want it's a way of giving back yeah. That's being productive. Like I I don't know how many people know this, but I want like I want to write a book, I want to put something out there. That's me being productive. And eventually people will read it. Maybe one person, maybe a million, who knows, but it does something. This podcast 
maybe I could focus more on the podcast, make it like a hundred times better and bring more people on and, you know, we could travel and do all that shit. That could happen. That could be something. The thing is, I want with that free time, I want to do things that are that fulfills me, but it's also purposeful, purposeful. <laughs> and. But I'm not forced to do it. It's something that like I, I want to work on, whether it makes a dollar, makes a million dollars or it doesn't make any money at all. Yeah, I'm putting it out there and it's for me. And for people, but it's not punching the clock. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just, like, that wouldn't work for me, like, as a person, like, who I am. But, like, as long as, I mean, you've done your 20 years, like, you're to the point of retirement, like, you've put in the work, you punch the clock. So, when you get to the point where, like, it's in your control... Just do what do you, boo-boo. Yeah. And that's not to say that I won't work or won't enjoy a different kind of work. Like, if I could get a a, a work that I enjoy doing, like, my perfect sp- schedule would be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If I could get something within those hours and enjoy that work, that would be perfect. That's, like, such a – Yeah. That's what, because it's plenty of time to wake up, you know, have the morning with you guys, send the kids off to school, and then just, you know, spend a few minutes and just make my way to work and then get out early enough. I can go get the kids from school um, and still have the rest of the day for whatever. Yeah. Like, to me, I just feel like you just need work, like actual work. I don't need actual work, but I need something to me that feels fulfilling. Um, And where, like, you can sit at home and, like, read a book and feel fulfilled. I feel like I could have been doing so many other things. But in order to fill my time while I was doing nothing, I read a book. Hmm. So we just view it differently. Yeah. But you'll retire before me, so... (laughs) We shall see. We'll see what happens. I think there's too much, I don't know how to explain, like, my real feelings on on work. I don't need work to, like, punch a clock and have, like, tasks to do. But I need to feel like for the day I accomplish something. And that's why I hate, like, sitting at home all day and doing nothing. Like, that makes me nuts. But... That's your happy place. So if it's like a Saturday and we sit at home and we don't leave the house all day. Like even now that we have jobs, I fucking hate it. (laughs) It makes me nuts. Even if we just like go outside or go to the park or um, I don't know, do anything. But just to like sit in the house all day and just consecutively watch TV or just read and watch TV and cook and clean. I'm like, I just feel claustrophobic to like not doing something but i don't know it's just like different personalities yeah for sure what was the other question you were gonna ask me oh i don't know how I didn't have to think it um anyways 16 years done quite a few 
bit of shit. You know what? Uh, MTI was one thing I never thought that I was going to do. Yeah. And that was, it was, uh, that was quite a job that I did well at that I never thought, like, because the type of person that I never thought I ever would have done or would have been good at. It definitely pushed you out of your comfort zone. For sure. Four years of that shit. uh, Anybody deserves a retirement check. (laughs) Yeah, that was a... All my MTI brothers and sisters know what I'm talking about. Um, So the second one just says, when people are young and employed, they tend to live in more urban areas. However, it's often prohibitively expensive for seniors to live in those areas. Should I move after retirement? And that's obviously like something we've talked about yeah. a bunch of times. I uh, I know like the dream is to settle down and plant roots and, and you know, be in your forever home or whatever it is. I think for us, it's just it's gonna be a while before that happens. Uh, I want that. Like, I want to have a forever home and just um like find that balance of um of like moving out of the military life. And I think that's where a lot of people find the hardships is transitioning from someone telling you everything that you can and can't do to you having control over your own life again. Um so yeah, like I still want to travel and I still want to experience things, but I want a place where the kids can say, like, I want to go visit mom and dad, and that's that's it. You know, like, that's home. Um, but that's why I say I don't think that's going to happen for yeah. a while. Because I honestly think we're going to be in the military longer than what we plan on being, which is retirement at 20 years. Yeah. I just... We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may not happen. I just think that's going to be the case. It might. I mean, so in the cards could always line up right and and change our plans. You know, like that's happened many times throughout our lives in our marriage. But I just, it would have to be like a divine intervention, like every star aligned, and it's like for me to want to stay past retirement. And that sounds bad. Like I'm not just out here like roughing it to get to retirement you know like there are parts of my job that I enjoy and um like I'm I strive to do well at my job um but now that I'm over the 10-year hump you know like I'm on the other side of halfway there it's it's nice to have like the the very tiny pencil lead light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) yeah you you start thinking about other things that you can do yeah. And get into. Uh. But yeah, that's, that one's kind of like a, that one we've covered, but one we just haven't pinned down um, to where we want to go when we retire, you know. Um, and there's so many options and we go back and forth a lot on the things we want to do, the things that we for sure wouldn't do um, or move the places we would go to, the places we wouldn't go to. But um I don't know. I just, that's an ongoing conversation that'll probably solidify 
once we get <laughs> closer. Yeah, and like I think about it, it it would be nice, but at the same time, I like I like the change. It's it's nice. It's refreshing. Uh, every three or four years, you have a new place to look forward to. Yeah. But I mean, I think if we, if we got to a place and we settled down and we found that fulfillment, like that daily fulfillment, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't need the constant change. Yeah. Cause I think in the military, you go to these new places, you learn your new job, you're at a new place and it becomes stagnant because it's Groundhog's Day. Like the military doesn't change frequently. So you're just doing the same thing over and over and over. And in about three years, it's like, okay, like I need that change. You know, you want something different. But if you're in a place where you have that own personal control, where you can do the things you enjoy and you can do the things you love and you're building your own schedule, I don't think the stability would be as much of an issue or the change would be as much of an issue. Um, And I could be wrong. Like I obviously haven't stayed in a place in a really long time, but I just think in the military at at about, um, and this is just me at about two, two and a half years, I become stagnant at a location. Like I need, I need some change going on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause now we're, we're already thinking about the next place. Yeah. We're already thinking about the next place and where we, where would we like to go and, you know, we're weighing the pros and cons and <clears throat> so. But I mean, even, you know, um, our opinions have changed over the time that we've been here. But um, I'm a big fan of San Angelo. Like, I really like it here. Oh, I love San Angelo. I, I mean, like I said before, the first time I came around, I was only here for six weeks. And I visited here a few times when I was in college, but it was college with yeah. all my buddies. So it was a blur. And uh, the first time I was here, it was it was the same thing. I was here for six weeks. I was young, so it was a, a blur. It really didn't have that much of an impact on me. Yeah. I know everybody that comes through here uh, their first time around through training. Usually they're young, uh, like you. You you were just 18. Mm-hmm. So the city doesn't have much to offer to to younger people in terms of, like, nightlife and and, and whatnot. And, you know, as a bigger city does – uh, so people get a bad taste of San Angelo, but coming back here as adults with a family and, uh, pretty much the experiences that we've had, like San Angelo had really appealed to us and, and, and I love it. Everything that it has to offer, you know, um, it's great for us. It's great for the family. It's just, we've met a lot of cool people. It's, uh, it's a slower paced city. Yeah traffic is non-existent which is like my favorite thing um and we settled in well here yeah. so san angelo is great and then you know the bigger city is not far away so you can take a trip on a weekend almost in any direction and and go see some sites or in, or enjoy some of the things that bigger cities have to offer yeah just a change yeah. or like the change of scenery um but yeah because i think about like just the progression of my career. And obviously like yours took a little bit of a different route, but um, like going from San Antonio to San Angelo, um, San Antonio is a huge city. So going from there, obviously I didn't get experience that I was in basic training. 
um, to San Angelo. San Angelo reminds me a lot of like the towns back home. So, um, I would compare it to like Cookville. Cookville. Yeah. Cookville. So, um, so I really enjoyed it here. Like, obviously, I was 18 years old, but there's a lake just like I have back home, and um, this damn cat. <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> um, and then. I enjoyed the lake. Um, I We went to Dallas a few times, me and a couple of my friends. Um, Abilene was close, like right up the road. So I had a really good experience. And I was here for seven months in, for my tech school instead of the six weeks that you were here for yours. Um, but, I mean, I went from there to Las Vegas. And that was a huge culture shock. It's a big <laughs> city. Um, and there's there's the difference, right? There's Las Vegas that everyone knows, like the Strip. And then there's Las Vegas, the city that – people live in and like our affected yeah. communities you know las vegas is great oh um yeah like i enjoyed it while i was there but i definitely can't see myself like living there forever um i mean yeah sure to go visit maybe but like to live there to be stationed there again i don't know if that's on my agenda uh yeah i, I don't know if i want to be stationed there again if we did get stationed there for whatever reason, I don't think I would mind. Um, it just depends on the area that we lived in. Yeah, uh, but I mean, now we know, right? Yeah, there's quite there's quite a few rough areas in in, in Las Vegas that you, you just want to stay away from. Um, but the jobs out there are are cool as shit. And uh, Las Vegas, once you get outside the strip, the strip in itself is is still awesome. But once you get outside the strip and you really get to to see the city and and enjoy what it has to offer, it's it's badass. Yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it there. But I mean, like we went from there to San Antonio, and I feel like the same in San Antonio and here. Like we settled in well. We met really like cool people. Um, I mean, we met people that I'm still in touch with now, and it's been years, you know, almost 10 years later. So we moved there in 2012. Yep, 2012. And so we're, at, what, nine years? And, I mean, still talk to the neighbors from the house that we own there. Um, still have other friends in the city. And, and San Antonio just began to feel like what we referred to as home. Yeah. Um. But it's just, it's too much, San Antonio is. It's just yeah, like, it's it, it's just it, growing too fast. Yeah. And the, they don't have the infrastructure or the capability to keep up with the amount of people that are in that city. Um, alongside just the roads are yeah. fucking horrible. Traffic is, it's horrible in San Antonio and it's everywhere. Yeah. No matter how many bridges they build, how how many freeways they widen, the, the traffic is always fucking there. I, I mean, San Antonio, like it felt like home for me when we went there in 2012 because I had already been there. Uh, I did almost five years in San Antonio for like the first part of my career. Yeah. So I was I was used to San Antonio. I was familiar with San Antonio, um, and then growing up, we took trips out there. Yeah. Uh, so. San Antonio did feel like home to me already. And then after 2012, it just like solidified it. But the traffic there and the rapid growth of San Antonio's for me, like for us, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to take in. 
It, yeah, it, it's a lot. It, it's kind of pushed us away from the city where before we think like, yeah, that'd be the perfect place to retire and end up in uh, to like, man, I don't know if I want to go back to San Antonio ever again. Yeah, I definitely don't want to move back there now. But, I mean, we went from there to Florida, and that had its pros and cons. Like, the traffic was horrible. I really thoroughly enjoyed being close to the beach. You don't do the ocean, so. Yeah. I mean, so it's weird because I'd liked uh, – I don't enjoy being at the beach or spending all this time at the beach, but I liked that it was there. Yeah. Uh, I liked that we had the option. And then the weather – like the longer that I'm in San San Angelo, the more I appreciate the weather that was in Florida. Uh, yeah. So during the summer, it got really fucking hot and really humid, which it was tough to deal with. You do I don't want to say get used to it, but you you adjust. You acclimate. Yeah, and uh, I remember it, when you were like, "Oh, I live in San Antonio. Like the humidity there can't be bad." And I <laughs> yeah. was like, "You're in for a weird oh, treat." Oh, it buddy. was a hundred times better or worse, and uh, but. Uh, that area that we were in had its perks as well. It was weird because when uh, I had never been to that area, so it's the it's the Pensacola area, so it's the, the coast, Gulf coast, the Gulf Coast. So you ha- driving in, it looks like it's the woods. It looks like uh, like the South, but That's as soon as also you also referred to as protected wetlands for those of you who are from the area. Yeah, but <laughs> as soon as you get past the trees, like the beach and the wide open ocean is right there, which I didn't expect for whatever reason. That and the black bears that are all over the place. Um, but so getting back to it, the weather in Florida is just something that I like really miss. I miss the rain, um, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, you really, you really did enjoy the rain, like because almost. I won't say every day, but like most days there would be an afternoon shower. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Yeah, there the was there was a lot of, of the rain. rain. The rain, the smell, all of it. Um it was nice cuz we actually had grass in Florida, so you didn't have to worry too much about mud. Uh I think we dealt with hurricanes on one occasion. The rest were kind of like warnings that yeah. It was just like a lot of wind and a lot of rain. I think we fully evacuated twice. Like I think we left. Yeah, twice. but but nothing big ever happened. Yeah. It, it just ended up being high wind, but we didn't take the chance, and I would never. Because I mean, we were there when the um, when the hurricane hit Tyndall, Panama City, yeah. and it pretty much wiped out that entire city. It, and that was what like an hour down the street. Yeah. Um, so it was it was close for comfort. And last year. So the first year that we were away from – no, no, that would be the second year. Year and a half that we were away from Florida, a hurricane actually hit Navarre. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I liked it. Uh, I am not a beach person. I'm not an ocean person. Yeah. So I don't ever want to get in the water in the ocean, but it's nice. So the scenery of the beach, uh, just being able to hang out on the beach, it's great. So what I'm hearing is let's move to L.A. Oh, fuck that. No, 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 no. Uh, I would never want to move to California. Yeah. Uh, L.A. I, I've never, I've never, we haven't dealt with Northern California, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we went to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. And that, that was, was amazing. an amazing experience, which is part of it's California. So if the California that we ever ended up with in was like that. I wouldn't mind, but... I just, um, 
how do I like progressively through my career my assignments have only gotten better I think so Las Vegas it was a good assignment I really enjoyed my job I wasn't like a huge fan of Vegas um from there we moved to San Antonio that was just I really enjoyed San Antonio um it felt like home we went to Navarre just the area like it reminded me of home I had been missing the east coast um the scenery was nice just I think there's just a common a calming effect when you live close to a beach yeah um I really enjoyed that I know you're not like a huge fan but like I thoroughly enjoyed just living on the coast and then from there we moved to here and um and I kind of get the same vibe that we had in San Antonio where it was like this feels like it could be home you know like just where where everything's settled but I think the longer that we live here and the longer that our jobs progress and just life happens, it's more of a like, all right, we're ready. We're ready for the change. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, I see that as that's our, it's like our our internal military clock. Yeah. Just like speaking to us like, hey, it's almost that time. Start getting ready. Because uh, that's been about it. Like every four four years or so mm-hmm. like you're moving um see i did five years in san antonio two years in vegas and then four another four years in san antonio three years in florida now here we'll be here at least three years but that clock is already it starts hitting like you start it's just the thought of where do you want to go next you know like yeah. where do you want your career to take you and and everyone's like, oh, you should go here, you should go there. But there's so much that goes into it. Like, what is the job going to be there? Yeah. How am I going to progress in my career? Is is that something that I want to see myself doing? Is that somewhere that is safe for me to raise my family? Do I want the hour and a half commute each way every day? Yeah. Um, there's just so many factors that you look into when you start and obviously, like, the Air Force can be like, fuck you, you're going to South Dakota, right? <laughs> yeah. like, but when we start looking at the places that we want to go, where we can update our list on these are the places that that stand out to us, um, it's just, it's a lot of conversations, a lot of yeah. Holly on Realtor.com <laughs> looking, daydreaming at houses. and Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that to take into consideration when, when moving. I know, I know some people, they... They don't care where they go as long as it's a career move. So if yeah. it's something that's going to bump them up in promotion or the job that's going to set them up for the the next career move, that's that's where they're going regardless of any of the other factors. I mean, it's definitely a factor for me, but for me, like, my goal was to reach E6. That was it, like, and I'm there. So um, if I retire at E6, peace. Come out. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I hope in the next few years I can at least get the seven on the end of that. But um. I have a hard time, and Parker, if you're listening to this, you'll make fun of me because you always do. But um, I have a hard time playing the game. Yeah. Um. And a lot of a I, lot of the I up, do too. <laughs> the upper parts. That's what it is. It's just like um, who's asking you kiss? Who whose favorites list can you get on? Yeah. And when I go to work, I'm there to do a job. Like, I'm there to to do what my job is. And that job isn't going to entail how many times can I be in leadership's office so that they see me. Yeah. And, you know. Um, 
yeah vi- visibility is definitely uh a factor mm-hmm. um and you know when like our records go to whoever's looking at them when it go comes to awards or and and uh performance reports you know the first thing people see are the names at the top mm-hmm. and it shouldn't matter because what you're really looking at are is the actual report and you know but people just that's that's those are humans right they they're gonna look at the name be like they're gonna make that first judgment like "Uh, i really don't like this person or oh i really like this person um for reasons x y and z whatever but yeah, so I don't know how accurate this is, so I'm, like, spreading gossip right now, but I'm not going to, like, throw names in there. So when our people this year went up to the E7 board um, to get their promotion statements, there is a person that I worked with, and they've pretty much killed it all year. Just, you know, doing things that are way above and beyond the tech sergeant rank. Um, but when the rating came... And they got feedback. They were told, you're doing everything we want, but your attitude doesn't portray that of a master sergeant. <laughs> yeah. And so had you just seen the package with no name, that would have never been a factor. Yeah. It would have been like, this person is killing it at everything. You know, you can't on see the job, attitude on off paper. the job. Um, but just because you don't like my attitude or you don't like the fact that I'm real, I'm down to earth. Um, you're immediately going to discount that person, yeah. and so and people will give the excuse, well, it's it's the whole person concept, yeah. But the the way promotion works in the Air Force when it gets to that level is it's strictly on your performance reports, it, it basically paperwork. Yeah, like it's not you're not face to face with that person. How good do you look on paper? Yeah, that yeah. that's what it is. And to tell somebody like, hey, it's your attitude, um. Uh, that's the reason why you're not getting this. Yeah. That, that kind of that kind of sucks. And I mean that sucks for the promotion statement, but like as I told this person, you know, when you go to a board of a chief or of multiple chiefs and a colonel, they're not going to know your name. And they're going to see that you were killing it all year, you know. Yeah. Um and so you might not have the promotion statement, but l- and I hate the phrase, but, like, look at the statistics of how many people who have a promote get promoted. Like, yes, those that have the promotion statement are more likely to get promoted, but the crux, the majority of people getting promoted are those those mid-level promotes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, it's not a perfect system, and you're always going to have the human error, I guess, that the human factor where – people they're just going to have a bias they might look at a they might look at a report and see that there's not really there's no education on it or there's very little education and they just happen to be huge on education like that's all they want to see yeah. that could be the reason why you don't get promoted um, but i mean you run i don't know i could argue the promotion all all night but yeah you run it like just taking your education thing for example you run into people like me right who I have a master's degree and two associates and a bachelor's, but if I don't still somehow go to school, it looks bad. Like I'm not self-developing. Just because you don't have that bullet that says, hey, I took like some I went, kind of class. I went to class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And for about two years, I was writing really strong bullets on how I used my degrees to implement things in the workplace, right? So like I used this degree in administration to fix this process, which saved this many manpower hours. Um, but when I got here, they were like, no, you need school. And I'm yeah. like, I got nothing for you. <laughs> like, I don't know what else I can do at this yeah. point. So that was one of the things when I joined the air force, when I joined the military, it was like that turned me off all immediately. And I was so pissed when I found out was the performance reports weren't solely based on the job that you do. Yeah. On your performance. Um, and I know when I, when I, it's still an issue now, just depending on where you go. Um, like, so school's a, a big one, which everybody should push education. There's nothing like you, sh- you should educate yourself. Um, volunteer work is the one that got me that I get it. You should volunteer, be a good person, um, give back to the community, but volunteering being almost a determination of being promoted or not just it did not sit right with still does not sit right with me so the the this is the part like i think just like in college just like in a lot of workplaces you should have to do a set amount of community service like i'm on board with that like making people do community service i'm on board with that racking and stacking how good their community service is that's annoying to me. Like if yeah. I go out and I volunteer six hours to the animal shelter and I'm like bathing the dogs and cleaning the kennels and playing with the cats or whatever, you know, but I'm there like volunteering my time so they don't have to have paid workers there. And then the feedback I get is, well, you didn't create a team and lead of event. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the bullet says, did you do community service? It didn't say, how good of community service on my list of reckons that community service did you do? Yeah. Um, so I like, that's just part of playing the game to break that down. Like I'm all for community service, but I find it extremely fucking annoying that you have to be on someone else's agenda of what equates to good community service. Yeah. And that's just part of playing the game. I've became aware of that, uh, pretty much like my first year that I got to my first unit, yeah, because uh, I remember this dude, uh, Andrew. <laughs> I won't use his. I don't know his last name or whatever, but I don't even know if he's still in. But this dude, like, all he did was just just fucking work and help people with work and like gave people great advice for work and just about the job, you know, and just killing it, crushing it, just work this, work that. And, uh, and then after work, family, man, like that's, that's all that he worried about family work, family work, and, uh, never, never got a look at being promoted. It's like, what the fuck? Like, this is the hardest working individual in the squadron. And not only is he working and like breaking his back to do the job, like he's helping people, he's leading people doing the work as well like he's training people that doing everything that consists of the job but he didn't have that strong volunteer bullet he didn't have that strong education bullet he it's because his focus was work family work family 
And that's when I was like, okay, so, got it. The breakdown for me was we were stationed in San Antonio. Um, and I did a records review with my, at the time, wing chief. And he was in there with all the enlisted in my squadron. Um, and I asked him, I was like, okay, like, I finished my master's. So, like, how do I get that strong bullet? And he literally looked me dead in the eyes and was like, what was your hurry in finishing school? Like, why didn't you drag <laughs> it out so that you could have bullets for longer? Yeah. And I, like, I lost all composure, all respect for him as a chief. I was like, did you seriously just ask me that? Like, must I really extend my schooling to hit an agenda? Like, once I've checked these boxes, if I choose to do that early in my career, why do I have to drag it out and he's like well I guess you'll just have to go take a clip so that you can get a bullet and I was like no like I'm not going to diminish my own education to taking a clip so that I can write on a piece of paper like I got three credit hours it's just it's not worth it to me and and I mean obviously now for those of you who don't listen or haven't like been here since the beginning of the podcast like I'm working on my doctorate but even in my EPR like my flight commander was hesitant to put that on there. He's like, well, people are going to question if that's real. I was like, are you serious? Like, I am busting it to do these classes. Like, I'm a full-time mom, a full-time wife. Like, I work all the time. Um, and I'm still making time to take these classes. And you're telling me that somebody might not think it's real? Like, I don't care if they think it's real. Put it there because I'm doing it. Um and then they wrote a bullet and like I did all the legwork for it. Like I found the statistics to how many people have um, doctoral degrees and it's less than 0.01% of enlisted people yeah. have a doctoral degree. So I was like, okay, like put that on there. Like one, like <laughs> approaching a scale or whatever I wrote, but essentially it had like the less than 0.01% of the force. Like I was ahead of them. And this year, when my EPR came up, they tried to put the exact same thing. And I'm like, that's what you wrote last year. Like, you have to change it. You can't just recycle the bullet because you don't know what else to write for that. Yeah. Um, but you get those people who who push back because you've done more than they have. Or they think by somehow diminishing what I've accomplished, they're making themselves better. Like, I don't know how to equate that but um this year I know they try to take my school bullet off and say that I went to like some stupid ass class like Addie or like she became a instructor supervisor I don't care about that that's a work bullet like in school like in whole person you're gonna put that I'm going to college and you don't have to put that I'm going to this expensive ass prestigious college which I am but you are gonna put that I'm going to college for this degree program um which didn't make sense because I'm getting my doctorate in education and I'm a, for lack of a better term, a teacher. Um, So why wouldn't you incorporate that somehow? But I don't know. The volunteer one. um, I really worked hard for volunteer one year and I just stayed volunteering after volunteering after volunteering Um, I was like the Relay for Life chairman, the March of Dimes chairman, um, 
walk for MS, I think we did just all like American Cancer Society. I was just like, bam, like chairman, chairman, co-chair, treasurer. Like I just did all these things for that one. Um, and then I got this little shitty bullet that was like advocate for American Cancer Society. And I got the volunteer service medal. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm going to volunteer at one <laughs> event and y'all can write it on there. Yeah. And, because it's, it's not worth it to bust your hump for it to be like 15 words that say you volunteer. Yeah, well, but it's different when you're volunteering for something like you actually believe in. And I mean, you yeah, wanna, I enjoy doing all those things. You want to give back to – like that's why I love Habitat for Humanity because uh, if I could, i just volunteer on that all the time. If I can volunteer there when the houses are already built and I could be inside in the air conditioning like <laughs> painting, I'm down for that. But we went one time and they were like having us put a roof on. And I was yeah. like, you've obviously never met me to ask me to put a roof on this house. And I love that stuff. <laughs> like I've done everything with Habitat for Humanity. Just uh, nailing sh- uh, shingles on the roof to just putting up walls, painting. We laid sod one year. That's like, miserable. I've done, I've done it all and I loved it. Like, yeah. it. You're just there with a group of people. What seems like they just want to help and, and give back and, and just busting your ass all fucking day. And then at the end, you have a house or a couple houses, whatever, done for people that, you know, need them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love that shit. Do you think after you retire, you'll still want to do those volunteer things? Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. I think it uh, instilled, like the military instilled that sense of duty into us to help the community well because the volunteer stuff that we've done or like it's been stuff that i've wanted to do it's not stuff like hey well i need to knock out this bullet i guess i'll go jump in on this no it's been stuff that i've that i've wanted to do that's why my volunteer bullets are never really strong they're just because i'm not going to go out there to volunteer just to hit a bullet i'm volunteering giving my time and whatever else i can to help a cause yeah and it turns out uh to be a bullet and so be it or land on my performance report cool but that's not why i'm doing it and i think and there's plenty of people that do that same thing but there's a lot higher percentage that will jump in on volunteer things just, just for, for the, the bullets bullet. mm-hmm. like i was just talking to somebody the other day and he was always like yeah so, like I offered this person this opportunity uh, to do uh, A, B, and C, but they're like, "Well, I'm not gonna do it if I can't put it on my on my performance report." It's like, well, fuck, that's not the attitude to have, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's I don't want to say one of my biggest pet peeves, but every time there's an email sent out that says this would be a good bullet, yeah. I just want to punch my computer. Yeah. I like that's not the way to get people like if i see that and it's something i'm genuinely interested in and the email starts this will be a good bullet i immediately don't volunteer for it but i mean the the sad thing is that's how you're going to get a lot of volunteers because you know you'll have your handful of people that are like legit want to do it because it's going towards something good as opposed to the fucking sea of other people that saw hey this will be a good bullet and they jump on it. Yeah. It's a it's a catch-22, really. Like, yeah. I just... Uh, uh, yeah, and even if you change up the system, you're going to have... It's... People are fighting pro- for promotion. So, for us, like, 
one thing that I really enjoy is, um, like, we do volunteer work that we enjoy. And sometimes, like, we'll do stuff that I enjoy. And sometimes we'll do stuff that you enjoy. Like, if you're going to run a 5K or you're going to run a 10K, um, I normally will volunteer at those events. And it's kind of, it's a two birds, one stone thing. Like, I got to be there with you. And I'm giving my time to something that you care about. And normally the races you do are for good causes that I care about. Um, But then you get, like, we set our precedence with our kids of you're going to go volunteer too. And you're going to see that, you know, these are the things that, that we can do to help these people. We can go give our time. We can support this cause or whatever. Um, to the point where the kids will sometimes ask, like, when are we going to go, Yeah. like, do this again? Or, um, And that always gets me a little in the feels, like, yeah. like the kids want to help people. Yeah, it's a, it's a good example to set for sure. And I'm not saying every volunteer thing that we've done has been, like, some noble cause because uh, they haven't. Yeah, for sure. But it's been stuff that we wanted to do. Like, we, we've done the, the church uh, events that, that those we just we just want to be involved, right? We yeah. want to give back. Uh, but we've also done things like 5Ks, 10Ks. The uh, – what's the the cross the CrossFit uh, – competition that happened in pensacola beach brawl oh beach brawl we volunteered yeah. for that one year it's so it's like every, it's different volunteer opportunities but it's stuff that we want to do we want to be a part of yeah it's not like hey we need a volunteer bullet let's go do this yeah and uh too many people go for it that way for and, sure or go about it that way but i don't know that's and throughout history that's always been a thing like people just chasing promotion and trying to get whether it's by getting those um bullets on performance reports or kissing the right ass or whatever that's just always been a thing and i i I don't know how you fix it like i don't think there's going to be a perfect promotion system ever there's always going to be flaws in it there's you're not going to please everybody um people are going to slip through the cracks it's just it's gonna happen but you know like when i back in 2000 what 16 when we were looking at getting out 17 yeah 18 i don't know whenever we were looking at getting out when i had job interviews lined up and i got i went and like did these interviews i did all these things um like trying to sell yourself it's hard yeah, it's not you know, easy. Like, like these are all of my skills. <laughs> and that's one thing that I really hate is, like, tooting my own horn. Like, look yeah. at all these things that I've done. But, I mean, basically that's what you're doing in your performance report as well. And yeah. it, it's just hard. For some people, it's easy as shit. I know I have a, a difficult time with this. Like, oh, man, this just yeah. sounds arrogant as fuck. Like, I don't – I sound like a cocky motherfucker. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but, I don't enjoy writing them. Yeah, I, I neither do I. I enjoy writing them for other people. I don't want to write my own. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's easier to write uh, for other people for sure. Because um, I think when you're writing your own, at least for me, you kind of hold back. Yeah. You hold back and you're like, ah. And then other people will tell you, well, like, they word it in a certain way. And then you look at the, you look at it, you're like, 
that's not what I did. They're like, technically it is what you did. And then they break it down for you. It's like, because you tied this into that. And I was like, okay, technically. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Technically it is what I did. But, you know, you make it sound like I saved the world. Ah, that's my other issue with head. We could go all night about promotion and, and the performance reports. But if you're bullet doesn't sound like you are saving the world or you made this fucking change for the military or the air force and impacted the universe it's kind of just like eh okay yeah like uh one of the ones that gets me is when like here they'll break down the cost of a student to days that they're in the course so like for us to put a student through the course like let's just say i'm this is really, really wrong, but I'm just throwing out a number. Like, let's say it costs a hundred dollars to send students through a 100-day course. So that breaks down to one dollar a day per student, and the class has 60 people in it. And then you do something that it's like, okay, I condense taking briefs to two days instead of three days, so I saved a day. So then it's like. $60 for $1 for every student that was in the class that day for 50 classes that came through the course that year. So it's like I saved the Air Force a $3,000 investment by finishing your briefs early. Like that's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> you finished your briefs early and you saved the Air Force $3,000. And they're like, well, I mean, technically because that day got them graduated faster. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's that's how you have to spin it. That's how you have to write it to to get the attention of people. Yeah. It's all about the numbers that you can include in those those lines of text, which is what we couple. It's yeah. how you did it or what you did, how you did it, and what the impact of it was. Uh, yeah. it's. We got way off topic from retirement, so. Yeah, well. 16 years. I got four years left till I'm eligible at least. Yeah. We'll see what happens I, then. Like, I think you will be ready to retire, but I think you'll stay in at least until I'm eligible to retire. But I think yeah. if I hit 20 and I'm like, I'm punching it like I'm out, I think, again, like anything could change at the drop of a hat. But I think if I were like, hey, I'm retiring, you would also retire at that time. Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think we're gonna retire when we think we are. Y'all hold uh, it up in four slash six years. Keep us honest. I'm like, do y'all remember? Yeah, because we'll probably get some more stripes. We we might be liking the work that we're doing. Um, my biggest one is just tempo and change. I guess. So the crux of my military career, these were the two things I wanted to make tech sergeant and to work at the Pentagon. That was it. Um, so I've got one down. Um, I've heard mixed reviews about working at the Pentagon. Um, I know like the hours will be horrendous. The transit will be miserable. Um, but the fulfillment of the job you're doing, I just think, will be so, like, great. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, a lot of people have told me it takes a strong type A personality to work at the Pentagon. So, like, you would be a good fit. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't say I'm strong type A, but, like, I definitely follow procedures. Like, there are things in place for a reason. And I go that route. And they're like, no, you're strong type A. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, um, yeah, that's – like, let's say we – get dc next out of here and i get orders to the pentagon um i'd I'd be done with that like yeah see ya deuces (laughs) chuck them but we'll see what happens yeah next thing you're gonna see is chief holly chief holly (laughs) 30 years later oh man i immediately have to cut my hair short i'm not about that life yeah i've i've only worked with uh, a handful of people that went all the way to 30. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, it's rare to find it. And when you do find it, it's like a unicorn. Um, it's a unicorn that you find someone who made it to 30 and they're still effective. They're still yeah. effectively making change and like doing good. Because most people are like, oh, I'm going to make it to 30. And they're just all crusty and busted up and just out there humping it because they don't know what else to do with their life. Yeah, I don't know. Because when it comes time to retire, it'll be weird to hang up the uniform, like not waking up every day and putting on your uniform to go to work. Oh, I'm all for that. That's the first it's, thing I want. I don't know. For me, that's uh, it's a weird thought. It is a weird thought. It is something. Uh, I wouldn't mind working at a three-letter agency where I got to wear, like, business suits every day. Yeah. Like, even still in service, you know, but when you're going into those places, you can't be in uniform. You wear, like, civilian attire. Um, so, like, let's say I got a job, I don't know, DIA or something. I got to go to work every day in civilian clothes. You could probably get me to stay until 30 then. Yeah. Busting it. We'll see. Doctor Chief. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Chief, Chief Doctor. Doctor. That would be my call sign. <laughs> People would be like, what does that mean? All right. I think we can stop with our rants and end it there. That's a good one. For all the Air Force people. <laughs> everybody else can be like, what the the fuck are you guys talking about? That's fine. Listen anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. You guys Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scouts. We will see you all next week. Later. <laughs>